Thank you very much, Ian. I really love Ian. It's just what an awesome man of God. So I just want to open my notes here. Just to make sure we stay safe. Me going off notes might end badly. <laughs> so, um, cool beans. You take this off. One of the good things if you preach is you can take your mask off. So, uh, aspire to preach. Then uh, you're free of that situation for at least a few minutes. Uh, so, yeah, my name is Pierre. I'm one of the community leaders here in City Ball, uh, Josh Jen, and uh, a whole list of other things apparently that I do. Um, man, and I'm just, I'm just really, really grateful uh, for every time I get the opportunity to preach. Uh, I shared it in the 830 service as well. Um, probably around four years back, it was about four years back, uh, there was just a period where I really believed that I had missed my calling, that uh, I will never be involved in ministry again. I have disqualified myself. And uh, me standing here this morning uh, just shows you how faithful Jesus is and how gracious and how faithful and patient he is and uh, just to restore that zeal and to restore uh, the call that he has upon my life so I just want to point to Jesus as often as possible I'm not some great caliber person I didn't deserve a second chance but he's so merciful he's such a merciful God that he said you know what you don't deserve it but I'll do it so um, Luke asked me to uh, preach on zeal for the Father's house, man, and that's just something that I love. Since I got saved, I love the church. If you want to know what I Google, what I kind of look at is what is being preached in the church around the world. What's going on? What's new? What isn't new? Um, so it's just something I feel like God has really uh, just cemented in my heart is to love the church and to love what uh, He is doing through His church. So I want you to, if you can, just turn to the book of John we're going to start off in chapter 2, verse 13 to 17. So later in the preach or sermon or whatever you want to call it, Pierre, just speaking, that's fine with me. Um, we'll talk about another side of uh, another narrative of the story found in Matthew. But for now, we're going to camp out here in John. So it reads as follows. It says, the Passover of the Jews was at hand. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. Nobody was safe. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and, uh, money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons... Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. And his disciples remembered it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Man, I just love that last part. That zeal, the, the disciples looking at this situation that kind of seemed out of character, you know, for Jesus. We, we sometimes see Jesus with a very fluffy beard and he's always nice and, you know, he's just, he just wants to give us everything. And these disciples see Jesus building a court, running into a church, throwing things over and saying, guys, you are destroying what my, God, what my father has established. Stop doing this. And they're reminded that, hey man, this, is, this was prophesied. That there's a zeal inside of Jesus that we should have. And that's the natural question, guys. If this is true for Jesus, if Jesus had this zeal that consumed him, 
as his followers, as his disciples, should, not, should we not have exactly the same? And the answer is yes. Thank you for the sermon. answer is yes. We should have such a high regard and passion and love for the church. It's the way we are wired. It's the way we, we're supposed to live this thing out. And um, saying that, I already know, even in prepping for this message, uh, I've been so for about 10 years now. And, uh, you know, it is, I've so met, often met people standing outside of the church that will tell me the following sentence. You know, they'll probably post it on Facebook. The church is not a building. I am the church. And I want to tell you, yes and amen. The church is not a building. It is, there's nothing special about this building. The foundations doesn't have hidden scriptures in it. They didn't ask Ian to come and anoint all the walls when they were busy building it. There's nothing special here. But what makes this place special and sacred is the people that gather here. Because for every person that is here this morning, there's one thing we all have in common, and that is the cornerstone that every good and healthy church should be built upon is Jesus saved us. That there was a point in my life, there was a point that I can move back to and say, you know what, I was broken, I was lost, I was confused, I was blind, and I didn't deserve mercy, and I was greeted with a hug by the King of the universe and said, come in. And He invites me into this family, and He invites me to play a part. How glorious is our God. So as I was preparing, there's a few stumbling blocks that I just know that steals our zeal. For the church. The first thing is we view it as a man-made thing. We think that, you know what, this is City Ball, so it's Josh Jen, it's Andrew's idea, or it's Luke's idea. And we'll be committed as long as they play their part. So as long as Luke greets me at least two times and he sends me a voice note every now and again, I'm committed. But as soon as that doesn't happen, I'm leaving. And you're not walking away from Luke. You're not walking away from Andrew. You're not walking away from Ian. You're not walking... I see Jonah here. Man, these guys had their hands full with me. I was stubborn. <laughs> I'm not walking away from them. I'm walking away from God. I'm walking away from His purpose. I'm walking away from His design. Man, and that just opens up a can of worms. I said it... <laughs> you know, in my life, if I look back at the times that I struggled the most, where life was just hard, man, where I was just bleeding out, it was often the times where I stood outside of church, where I was all alone trying to feed myself in a place of, that was a desert. And it took vulnerability to come in and say, guys, this is me. I'm broken. I, ha I don't have this all together. And God meet, met me at that place. So just to show you that it is God's plan, I mean, even if you look in the Old Testament, God, God pulls His people out of Egypt, and the first thing He says, okay, can I gather? Gather worship, praise. Uh, New Testament, uh, God raises up great men of God, great apostles, leaders. The book of Romans written to the church in Rome. The book of Corinthians written to the church in Corinth. That's 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. The book of uh, Ephesians written to the church of Ephesus. One of the most heartbreaking churches if you read the history about the church of Ephesus. The book of Colossians in the, uh, was written to the, oh, sorry, the book of Colossians written to the church in Colossae. The book of James, written to the church of Dispersia, Revelation, the book uh, written to the seven churches in Asia. So there's this great commitment from God to establish a local church. Why? Because it's its purpose. Now saying that, the second thing that I need to add to that, it is not only God's plan in 
general is God's plan for you. It's personal. Um, man, I, I said to you, well, I didn't say to my wife. She was busy serving her kids. But we had this very awkward moment in, in the car this morning. So I got up early prepping my sermon, going through my notes. And uh, to jump into the car, and I just put up some worship. And I'm trying to stay in that place, man. I want to hear God's voice. I want to hear God's heart. And, uh, man, it just became heavy. It just got heavy. And I was reminded about, in my walk, in ministry, how many people I've met that had such a great calling, that were really on fire with, uh, for Jesus. And then I would meet them again, standing outside of the church, and they've gone cold. Man, and, and <laughs> my heart for you is, just come back. That's all I can say is, my, my heart for you is, just come back. This is still God's design. This is still God's plan. See, when I, I was a leader in a church, and I mean, I literally went to church six out of seven days. It was Friday evenings I had all. And it was a good place to be, really. And something traumatic happened in my life, and as soon as it happened, what grew in me was anger towards God, because God, I'm doing all of this for you, and now this turned out. How's this fair? And I walked away from church, and I walked away from leadership, and I just went into the world. I was going to show God how angry I am at Him. Man, I was stubborn. And staying in that place, um, I, I, was, I had a friend, uh, I, don't wanna, I can say his name, he's good, he's saved now. Uh, Sean was a very big guy, um, like really I loved going to clubs with him because nobody was looking for nonsense with me. Like if you were wondering who I was, I was the guy who was with him. That's how easy it is, you know. So uh, I had my own personal bouncer and I wasn't even a celebrity. And I remember we literally went to the same nightclub Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We became like locals there. We started to build this whole crowd, everybody very like-minded. And man, the one time I literally, it was weird. You, you walk up the stairs and then you open. As soon as you go through the entrance and through the bounces, you look at this big bar. And all of the guys were just sitting there. I promise you, as I walked up and I looked, it was like Jesus removing the veil from our eyes. And all I see is our brokenness. And I go to this, guys, this is where the, e the evening is going to start now. We're going to start celebrating. And I go up to the guys. I'm like, guys, we have one thing in common. We're all broken. I'm going back to church. What a zipper guy I was. So I spoiled that whole evening. No wonder I wasn't invited. So the church was the only place I could run to. But I made a commitment to my friend that night. I said to him, you know what? I'll come to this club with you. It's fine. You come to church with me. And it wasn't that all of a sudden my heart changed. The only thing that I knew to be true from my previous times of being committed to God is that's where God showed up. He was definitely not in the nightclubs, I checked. Every corner. I knew Jesus to be in, in the church. And I walked into church and I sat in that church. I promise you, I sat at the back of that church. Uh, I, I had very long black hair and almost looked a little bit goth and emo. It's weird. <laughs> Jesus says from far and near. And sitting at the back, and, and I promise you guys, it wasn't that it was special for me. I sat there at the back waiting for Jesus to show up. And it was probably two months, if I'm, if I'm honest. I'm sitting there, sometimes with a hangover. I can just be very honest. This one day, this small little pastor, stop saying small, but small little pastor, he's really short, but Jesus loves him greatly. <laughs> this small little pastor comes up to me, and I was a big guy back then, like really, we, we did a lot of stupid stuff. Um, and he points his finger to me. <laughs> and I promise you, as he does that, I almost thought, how dare you, you know? Man, and he starts speaking truth to me, and it's, my heart breaks. 
And I'm literally, I'm crying so badly in that ugly cry where it's snorted and it's terrible. It doesn't look good. There wasn't amount, enough amount of tissues to save my face at that moment. That some people in the church even started to cry with me. I don't know if they were crying because of the sight that they were seeing or whether they were really burdened by this big guy that just crashes. But God showed up, man. God showed up in that place. That church wasn't perfect, just as this church isn't perfect. But it's a place where God meets His people. And He calls them from far and from near. He calls those that maybe your testimony is completely different. Man, you've been saved all your life, man. You just, man, you stand up and you drink coffee with Jesus. And then there's a moment and you were in every Sunday school and you know the Bible since you were five years old. Jesus calls those that are far and near to say, Hi, I'm your personal Savior. The call to the church is a personal thing. It is for all of us and it should be celebrated. Um, let me just maybe put up this scripture. Uh, can you just put up Matthew 21 verse 14, uh, 14 for me? Sorry about that, thank you. He just catches what a lovely guy he is. So this is the same narrative in, um, about the story where Jesus cleanses the temple. And you'll see in verse 14 what it reads here. And the blind, so this is after Jesus cleanses the temple. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Man, and my prayer is, and, and my word for you is, if you walked out, you walked out of church, man, you got hurt, you got broken, uh, maybe sin, whatever the case may be. If you come back in, man, this is the promise from God. Come back in, He'll heal you. Come back in, He'll restore you. This is still His plan for you, for your life. Thank you, Sunday School. <laughs> Love this lady. Another thing that we sometimes struggle or, you know, to, to have a zeal for a church is because we have unreal expectations. We are hunting, <laughs> praise Jesus, <laughs> we are hunting for the unicorn. And I don't want to break anybody's childhood dream, but unicorns do not exist. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and I want to say this with the utmost respect, guys. Like I said, I really love the church. And because I love the church, I want to be honest with it, that it isn't perfect. And the reason why it's not perfect and why I can say it with so much conviction is because I'm in the church. The guy standing here is not perfect. Man, I've got mistakes if you only me. My wife's not here, praise Jesus. <laughs> not perfect. But it's something that should be celebrated for, uh, by us. Is Imagine it was perfect. How would you fit in when you came through that doors the first time? You wouldn't feel welcome. Man, these guys are so holy. And maybe some of you left the church because that was your experience. Everybody just looked holy. Everybody just looked great. They had everything together. And your life was in shambles. So how do I, how do I even connect? Man, I promise you, there was a time in my life where my life was shambled and my life was broken. And I came to the church and I met people that came from the same street and we just started building together. I love this quote from Charles Hamden Spurgeon. He called the church the dearest place on earth. And it reads as follows. If I had never joined a church till I had found one that was perfect, I should never have joined one at all. At the moment I did join it, I, if I had found one, I should have spoiled it for I would now be, uh, for no, it would no longer have been a perfect church, for I became a member. Still imperfect as it is, it is the dearest place on earth. Guys, and that should be our posture to the church. 
man, it's the dearest place on earth. We, we so easily quote these scriptures that we are vagabonds and we're staying in a broken world and this is not governed by Jesus and, you know, we, we're looking forward to heaven. But in that, God has put us a place, He has given us a special place called the church that is home to us, that is ours, where we can say, yes, here Jesus rules, here Jesus is everything, here we celebrate Him, here we touch His glory. It's the church. Another thing I want to say is, I also don't want to make light of those who got hurt in church. I'll never forget, I spoke to the same pastor, the same pastor that put his finger in my face, and he still lives today, praise Jesus. I'm just joking, he's really awesome, really awesome man, like really. We were once having this argument, and he said, man, he's so tired of people hearing that the church can't hurt people. No, it can. I was a leader in a church, I hurt people. And I'm not saying that lightly. You can ask my wife, there's literally nights where I went, not to bed, where I just cried. And I was like, man, I could have done more. I feel like I could have served better there. I wasn't good enough. And the only thing I can do, and the only thing I, I plead to you even is, would you take the same grace that Jesus shows to you on the cross? Would you now extend it to us? Would you extend it to the church and say, you know what, just as Jesus doesn't, just as Jesus doesn't expect me to be perfect, I don't expect you to be perfect. He was perfect. That's the only one that was ever perfect. So, let, so the church should be marked by this, that it's a place with a lot of grace and a lot of mercy because we live out of the revelation that Jesus was the only one that was ever perfect. I always point people to the cross and I'm like, listen here, the cross is this very public declaration that you're not going to make it and I'm not going to make it and God knew. And he said, I'll make it. I'll stand in that gap. I'll qualify you. I'll ransom you. And now we live a life yielded in the revelation of that. Thank you, somebody. <laughs> Another thing is, especially in our Western culture, guys, if we are honest, I mean, I just saw it uh, this morning with myself. I take my phone. I want to quickly Google something because I always thought it was Charles Henderson Spurgeon, Charles Handen. So I wanted to Google it and it takes like two minutes and I almost want to throw my phone because why is this thing taking so long? Because we're wasting my time now. Man, we come out of a consumeristic view. And sometimes we want to approach the church with this consumer mentality. We need to be careful that we don't make ourselves guilty of what those guys did. And we want to pitch up here with our oxen and our sheep and our pigeons. And if I have to pull it into 2021, what it will probably look like is not pigeons and oxen, not seeing any wonder around here. But what it looks like is, so how do you guys do worship? Oh, you clap your hands? Ugh. I don't really, I don't clap hands. Don't like it. You stand when you worship. That's weird. You preach for how long? 30 minutes. How long's the service? One hour. We have this checklist. God, before we sign up, guys, no, this is covenantal. You sign your name on that contract. If, and I'm, I'm saying, look, there's good churches out there. They need to be Bible-believing. They need to be informed by the Word of God and moved by the Spirit of God. But once you find that, man, if we're going to do a three-hour session where we're just going to read the Word, praise Jesus, I'm in. It's not going to be now, so you some worried faces. But we want to have this approach towards church like it better tick off all the boxes for you. Man, and that's not the heart for Jesus. Man, look over the spectrum. That's one of the things I love the most. I've, I've, I've been involved in a few churches, luckily not too much, three. 
at this stage. And it was just completely different. The church that I went, came from to the one where I'm now, I said it, and I'm saying it with a lot of grace. Oh, mercy, repentance, I don't know, let's decide. Josh Jen wasn't the church I wanted to join. Man, I wanted a church with a smoke machine and there's strobe lights and worship was like this crazy world. That's what I kind of came from. But there was something of the character of the people that I met in this church that was just like, this is what it's supposed to be. The way that they were healed, the way they were laying down their lives. And I'm like, man, I want to be involved in that. And I had to take the strobe lights and I had to take the smoke machine and put that aside and say, you know what? This is where I believe God wants me. And I'll start serving. And it didn't start with me on the pulpit. <laughs> Actually, the first year, you can ask Ian. He said to me, Pierre, you will do nothing in the church. Because if you knew my church background, the only time I feel I was loved by God was when I was leading. I struggled to go to God as a son. I knew uh, it was easier for me to submit as a servant. So let's get into, plugged into church. What needs to be done? I said, wipe with the chairs. Okay, let's wipe the chairs. I said, clean the bathroom. Let's do it. Because in that space, and they saw it and they said, for a year you do nothing. It was frustrating. You can ask my wife. Like We would drive home. I would be so angry. Because they don't want me to work, man. They don't want me to pack out a chair. I'm not allowed to do anything. But as God started to heal me, I was like, man, that was wisdom. I started to know God as my father. And I'm a son in the house. And I don't have to do a certain thing to be accepted and loved by him. He loves me. And as that started, then my wife decided, okay, well, let's do kids' church. Let's do overseers. Let's do... <laughs> and I love it. I said this to, to Luke uh, and even Ian. What I love about the church and what I love about ministry is it makes life easy for me to be focused on the kingdom of God. See, as soon as church is not there and I'm not involved, my mind goes to work and I have to do this, I have to pay bills and all that sort of stuff. But all of a sudden, when I have responsibilities in the church to, to do, I have to be focused on Jesus. I have to be focused on God, man. I don't want to just stand here and say certain things without being able to carry over the heart of God for us. Church makes Christian life easy. It helps us to grow. I want to quickly show you what the purpose of the church is. And, uh, if we can go to the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, we're going to go from verse 8 to 12. The church of Ephesus. This is also written by Paul. It starts from verse 8. It says, To me, though I am the very least of all saints, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is, what is plan of the mystery hidden for us ages in God who created all things so that through the church, highlight that, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose uh, that was realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. So what that scripture says in a nutshell for us is, you've been qualified by Jesus, you are loved by Jesus, and the church is His plan. That's the summary. That was God's eternal purpose to establish the church, and that is us. That is us. God wants to show, especially in today's day, guys, this is, we're staying in dark days. And how crazy would it be as Christians, as those that say, we know what 
uh, unmerited favor is. We know what irresistible grace is. We have received it, but we can't tolerate one another. How, what, what message are we sending to the, the world? What message are we sending to the world if we say we have a faithful God that delivered His Son up to death? But man, it's raining, I can't go to church. If you can't drive when it's wet, then really don't. <laughs> but we're easy to excuse ourselves, man. And I just want to, I want to lay this with a lot of reverence before you, man. That's just not what God has for us. We need to be serious. This is where your calling is going to be lived out. This is where God's purpose for you, where He establishes you, where He brings you to, is going to be in the church. Let me start landing this. Uh, let's quickly go to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. Before I read the scripture, I'm going to say the biggest stumbling block, probably for us. We don't realize how dependent we are of one another. We have this mentality that it's, you know, my, my faith, my religion is between me and God. Man, and I just want to be honest with you, that's nowhere in the Bible. It stands nowhere in the Bible. The Bible would say, he who says he loves God but hates his brother is a liar and the truth is not within him. Man, we, we are there. We are supposed to join. I always tell people, even if you look at the beginning of creation, God creates Adam and Eve, and even before the fall, God looks to Adam and he says, it's not good for man to be alone. And I'm not saying that that just pointed to marriage. What I believe is God, men and women, as people, we were created for community. We were created to gather. We were created to come in together. And we look different and that's beautiful. That's what shows that what binds us together is not our preference. What binds us together is not, um, you know, we, we, we're just here to get. And as long as you can scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. No, what binds us together is we say, man, Jesus loves us. Just as Jesus loves me, Jesus loves you. So the way I want to treat you, the way I want to handle you is laying down my life saying, what can I get you? Let me lay it down. Come on, brother, I'm here to serve you. As we were just in worship, I was thinking, so many times we need to speak about, um, you know, this needs to go out as well, guys. <laughs> See, God works within His church so that there's an overflow into the world. And I was just thinking of it, if I take this one bottle, and I, there's a cup there, and I start pouring into it, it's going to fall eventually. If I take five of those bottles, and I throw it, it's going to be very fast to overflow. And that's exactly what the church is. is. You have a piece of Jesus that you can give me that I won't get anywhere else. There's a revelation and a calling that God has placed you that I cannot get from anybody else except you. So it, needed to, it needs to be handled with great care and great you know, respect and reverence. God, I want to give this to you. I love how the book of Romans, you can just, Romans 12, I promise you I'll quote scripture correctly. It's going to be a little bit PIV, Pure International Version. But it's going to be close enough. But I love the book of Romans where, where Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourself a holy sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. He said, guys, our only natural response, if we really say we understand what the gospel is and the truth of what Jesus did for us, our only natural response is, I lay down my life, God. I'm signing that contract and you fill it in however you want to fill it in. Whether that is going to be, I'm going to be evangelist in India. Whether it's going to be, I'm going to pack up the stools here for the next five years. I'm in. 
I'm in. We all need each other. Uh, one Corinthians, he took it down. He's like, Peter's taking way too long. Love you, brother. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body through many are one body, so it is with Christ. So what it just says here, guys, is for us to get this right, for us to be able to present the world the fullest image of Christ that we can possibly do at this stage, it needs to be together. It needs to be with one heart, one motor, one thing. Say, this is Jesus, and He is worthy of it all. Ian, you ready to land us? I'm going to call Ian in front because I love him. He's really good. That was awesome. Thanks, Pierre. I've listened to Pierre twice this morning now, and I'm excited for the third one because he just it keeps on growing. I'm watching it develop over time. It's amazing. If we can just all close our eyes.